0: listening to bow down to us the comics edition a podcast for everyone from comic nerds to comic noobs you know who you are and here's your host vince Hello everyone, it is Wednesday, comic book day as usual. It is October 6th, the first week of October. And what do you know, despite all odds, we are celebrating our 10th issue. Go Team BDTU! (laughs) Yep, very cool, very cool. Very happy to see that we've gotten this far. Yep, of course that's Roger, and I'm Vince, and we've got a very interesting show lined up this week. Interesting? Uh, Interesting, yes, Interesting. interesting. Okay. Because... You know, looking back through some of the episodes, there are a lot of big names in comics that we have not touched on yet. And just by last week being one of the absolute worst weeks for new releases in the history of modern comics, I decided to go back over the last several weeks and pulled up three of Marvel's really big names. Today we're talking about Fantastic Four, Thor, and Captain America. And I don't know how we made it ten whole issues, well, nine issues, without discussing these three huge franchises. Well, I know how we did it without, without the Fantastic Four, because I wasn't reading Fantastic Four. And that's what we're going to start off with, Fantastic Four issue 583. Uh, we briefly discussed it with my new releases a couple weeks ago, that this was the start of a new storyline for them, titled simply, Three. Three. And Jonathan Hickman has been getting tons of praise for his work on Fantastic Four over the last several months to a year. And I just it's never really been a title that has appealed to me. But the entire allure of them saying that someone's going to die in the storyline, that that'll at least gain my interest. And if everybody's saying Hickman is doing such a fantastic job of writing, I have to at least check it out at some point. So no better time to start. I didn't really know much about Fantastic Four going into this issue, at least, you know, as far as the current status quo. Obviously, I know who the Fantastic Four are. So uh, they had a very nice recap at the beginning, talking about a lot of the stuff they've been going through lately. I'm not going to get into too much detail. But the two main plot points coming in were that Reed Richards discovered this interdimensional group of other Reed Richardses. Richards. <laughs> Richards- <laughs> yes. Even the smartest man on the planet apparently can't, you know. Come up with that proper plural.
1: Fly <laughs> yourself, led. Um, I'm talking about Reed Richards, <laughs> not myself. There, tough guy.
0: So they—that's uh, kind of a plot point. How Reed has always had an interest in basically trying to save the entire world by himself, and despite his best plans, you know, he's still only one man. And then the other thing going in was during the Craptaculous World War Hulk. Or Hulks, plural. World War Hulk was good. World War Hulks wasn't. Uh, Part of the villains' plans was to kidnap the smartest men on the planet and drain their intelligence. Uh, That included Beast from the X-Men, Hank Pym, and of course Reed Richards and Doctor Doom. And as part of that, uh, Doctor Doom suffered some brain damage. So those were really the two main plot points going into this new three storyline. And at the beginning... We get some big battle with the Fantastic Four. de doo I don't really care who they were fighting or why they were fighting. Uh, but the the interesting part of this issue was Reed and Sue's daughter, Valeria. Valeria is a cool little character that's popped up in some other comics I've read recently. I loved her role in uh, X-Factor number 200, where she is as smart as her father and yet as daring as her Uncle Johnny. Yeah, she's just, you know... a brilliant kid you know smarter than anybody else on the planet almost but still just a kid and apt to get into that trouble and she discovers what reed has been up to with the whole interdimensional thing and not a good idea you know he's he's trying too hard again and as usual when he when he tries too hard it usually ends up blowing in his face so who does she go to for help none other than as she says uncle Uncle doom Doom. (laughs) (laughs) and this was really the the high point of the issue for me, was this scene between this little 12-year-old girl, I don't know how old she is, 8, 12, somewhere around there, and Dr. freaking Doom. And how she, well, obviously Dr. Doom is a bit hindered at the moment, but how she just completely outmaneuvers him in the conversation. And it's hilarious when she calls him out as, hey, you, you suffered brain damage recently, haven't you? Just from the conversation. And you see him pause And and you could tell underneath the mask he was angry as can be just by, yes. (laughs) And that one line I absolutely loved, the little girl saying, all hope lies in doom. She knows Dr. Doom is going to need to help her father out. And it just seems like it's going to be a very interesting story going forward. And this does the one thing that we've discussed, the one thing a lead-in issue has to do, and that's make you want to read more. And the issue itself did that for me. And, of course, the amazing epilogue, those last two pages with the silver surfer and just the one word, unacceptable. I now he has me hooked. I absolutely have to read issue 584.
1: Yeah, it was very good. It was um, although, to be honest, though, it's it's not that there's that the, the child steals the comic book so much as. Pretty much the entire comic book is her. Um, whether it's her breaking into the lab or her interactions with Doom, there's practically nothing else here because, like you're right, the battle on this other planet means absolutely nothing um, with the Fantastic Four. It's it's literally, in so much as I could tell, useless. It 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 serves no purpose to the story other to, than to show that oh they're gone again on their intergalactic witch hunt of whatever kind it is to try to save whatever planet. But it's not that... And it may be down the line, but it's, again, it doesn't appear to be anything important. Now, granted, like you say, you haven't read Fantastic Four, (laughs) and so you don't know what's going on. And this entire... Episode was like I was thrown to the wolves. Okay. (laughs) I was basically just thrown into the ocean and told to sink or swim. And I sank like a mobster with cinder blocks tied to my feet. Completely lost with all three of these (laughs) issues. And I'm going to say that right off the bat. So if it sounds like I don't know what I'm talking, I'll freely admit it. So with this issue, the normal. Oh, hey, 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 some of these, I know what's going on. Some of these, I can figure it out and piece it together. This, I could not. Some of it, it's like, I mean, hell, I did not even know that the Richards had children. Okay. that's. (laughs) I mean, it's again, I've been out of comic books for a quarter of a century here, folks. And, I have not even looked at the Fantastic Four since starting back reading all these other comic books. That's not to say that I wouldn't at some point, but really they were certainly not at the top of my list. So I was completely lost. But the interaction between that girl and Doom is definitely what sold this issue. It was very well written. It's 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 a dynamic that you wouldn't expect that regardless of any brain damage that he's incurred that he would be so patient and not his evil self with this child. So I, I I loved the interaction I really did and it actually brought a humanity to the character of doom that's that's necessary because you can't see the character as just this unbelievable non-human, entity that's just pure evil there has to be a man that was there beforehand and you see that here so
0: i really quite liked it yeah, so uh good stuff Where i'm eagerly anticipating the next issue so this you know it said marvel has done a great job of marketing this title because like i said i didn't care and now i care that's great i have now found another book that i can enjoy and that makes me happy so before we move entirely onto the next subject, what's your problem with Thor? He's a big sissy pants. I don't like
1: Thor. I never liked Thor. I so okay. So I'm gonna skip Captain America here. I've got the issues up. I'm ready to go, dude. Oh, okay. I um, you know what? I never really read that much of of Thor. I never. I never particularly liked the character himself. I never thought that the character... Because I used to read him back in the day, somewhat, but not enough that... Enough that I gave him a chance, but not enough that I know tons about him, because quite frankly, it was never a character that I could get behind. Never a character that I I liked. I didn't like the the, the, the character development as well as just the character himself. I really never liked Thor.
0: Okay. Well... And this didn't change my mind. Okay. Well, we'll we're still going to talk about it because it's my show. Oh, I, I know. I, I know. <laughs> the sidekick doesn't make this call. I apparently have no say whatsoever. None. All right. Well, to provide some really big backstory here. Back when I was reading comics, I loved Thor. You know, I, I, as a kid, I had a big interest in all the various mythologies. And of course, Thor is freaking Thor. Norse God of Thunder. Very interested, and I like how in the Marvel Universe all the pantheons existed. You know whether they were gods or not—that that's irrelevant. They existed as at least these powerful immortal beings, and now they're interacting with mortal man. And there's two ways that writers have approached Thor. You have the way J. Michael Straczynski treated him a couple years ago, where it was pure mythology. And that's great. You have a lot of great characters to work from and, you know, all the Norse mythology. But after a while, it becomes a bit limiting because there's only so many stories you can tell with the same characters. It's really hard to introduce a new character into mythology that's thousands of years old. So that's why back in the 80s when I was reading Thor, every comic has its iconic writer. Chris Claremont on the X-Men, David Michelin on Iron Man, Peter David on Hulk. And for Thor, it was Walt Simonson. Walt Simonson took Thor in a completely amazing direction where he threw this whole sci-fi twist on top of the mythology. He said, "Okay, the Asgardians, they're these super powerful beings, you know, worthy of being called gods back in their day. They should be the ones protecting Earth from larger threats, you know, intergalactic threats, even different planes of existence. That's where the Asgardians and the gods and Thor specifically, that's where they they wage their battle. And you got these huge fantastic stories that were just so much fun to a kid growing up. I mean, Thor smashing aliens in the face with a hammer. That that's all I wanted to read when I was a kid. So fast forwarding years later, Matt Fraction, the writer for Uncanny X-Men and Invincible Iron Man, has now taken over Thor as well. And this was the first issue of his new run. And he said that the Simmons and Days were a big influence on how he was treating Thor. He wanted to bring Thor back to that style of storytelling. And that's what we get a lot of here. When Straczynski first reintroduced Thor, he had – it was after Ragnarok. All the gods were, you know, gone from the earth. They they had ascended to a different plane of existence. And Thor was the first one to come back because as we – as anybody who knows Norse myth, Ragnarok is a cycle. Everything is destroyed and then reborn again. Well, Thor was the first one to be reborn and he brought all the others back. But he decided to do it a bit differently this time and he put Asgard in Oklahoma. Because when I think Oklahoma, I think Norse gods. What? Whatever. It's comics. <laughs> go with it. And that worked well for a little while until Norman Osborn went absolutely insane. And it, that was the whole siege storyline from earlier this year where the entire might of the U.S. government came down upon Asgard and destroyed it into a pile of rubble. And they are trying now trying to rebuild Asgard. And that is the point that they really drove home in this issue with the, I I found it hilarious dialogue between the scientist and Volstagg. You know, Volstagg, you know, at the beginning, he says he is the, I knew who it was right off the bat. I didn't need the big reveal at the end. He's he's Asgard's foremost scientist. He's not Asgard's foremost scientist. He's just the one that showed up for the meeting. And you get this funny dialogue of this scientist trying to explain the concept to Volstagg of Asgard existed as its own realm. You put Asgard on Earth. What's where Asgard used to be? Something has to occupy that point in space, and it's where we get this big sci-fi intergalactic story of some being from some other dimension. They they haven't been explained yet. Those are entirely new characters, starting to invade the nine realms. You know, Asgard. uh, They showed Alfheim, where you know the Norse elves live, and it's it's it's. To me, as someone who likes the character and knows where the story is going, I enjoyed it. My turn? Yeah, go ahead.
1: Okay, yeah, no, it sucked.
0: First of all, this whole
1: thing that you enjoyed between the scientist and the the large dude at the end was annoying. It was it was really annoying. So maybe from the perspective of somebody who's read it all along, you're you're kind of enjoying it. I really wasn't. I grasped the concept of wanting that comedic relief of trying to explain a very difficult concept to someone who's having a hard time grasping it. But they spent, like, how many pages on this? Really, way, way, way too many. It To the point where it was not funny anymore. It was just a pain in the... They could have they could have had the little funny back and forth in one page with the reveal on another page and it taken up two pages and that would have been plenty. Instead, we're looking at four, five, six, what, seven pages here for this. It, it, it just got to be so annoying. And it was filler is all that uh, it felt like it wasn't.
0: Uh, I'll grant you that Yeah, it, it did go on a little too long.
1: Oh, way too long. It, 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 again, it, I, I really had absolutely no use for it. it. Six pages is what it boils down to. It was, again, it was. It just got to be so annoying, and I didn't enjoy it. I didn't... I can see what they're doing, and I can appreciate it, and it looks like this might be tying in. Am I right in this? It, with the whole Hercules thing that's coming up as well? Uh, possibly, but... I, it it would make sense unknown at this point. Yeah, yeah, it would make sense. This whole Hercules with the superheroes is like right out of left field too. That's been coming up now that they're talking about it, and it I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that as well. So I mean, again, there was there were a few scenes here that were good. And they were the ones with Thor, where he's confronting the king and uh, trying to get him to man up, essentially. Like, those, fine. But, oh no, it is seven pages, because there's a page with the other doctor opening up her clinic as well. Which, ah, again, they, they tried to cram too much into this, and... Things that should have been just little asides are turned into huge deals. And it's like, why does why does this have to be there? Why does this matter? And it doesn't. And if it doesn't matter, trim the fat from anything. That's how it boils down to. So I really didn't enjoy it. Now, had the entire issue or the majority of the issue been this whole story arc that's going on with Thor and and with Asgard instead of trying to have this scientist geek who's really not a likable character either, having him try to explain it, but actually just seeing it, that would have been far more enjoyable and I would have enjoyed the
0: issue a lot more even though it's a Thor. All right, so basically what I'm gathering from our little discussion here is for someone who has been reading Thor, this new direction that they're embarking on is welcome, but it does not do a very good job of grasping a new reader.
1: Uh, For me, definitely not. Okay, so I'm I'm buy that.
0: Issue 616 is not on my to-buy list. Okay. Well, before we leave Thor, there is something I want to point out. And it's something that I didn't notice too much until somebody told me about it. And if you look on the cover of any comic, you get the writer, the penciler, and usually the anchor and or the colorist. There's a person who's always on the second page of the credits, and that's the letterer, the the person who handles all the dialogue, all the word balloons, all that stuff. And the letterer for this issue of Thor and all the upcoming issues of Thor is a guy by the name of John Workman. He's actually the guy who did Thor back in the 80s when Simonson was working on it. And now that I've told you this, you're going to look at it in any comics you read from now on, and that's for most comics – it, the word balloons are side yeah they're, they're they're there. They get the point across. Workmen has a certain style to the way the characters talk. And I just mean the way the letters are shaped, the way the word balloons work on the page that sets Thor, this issue of Thor, apart from anything else I've read across the last couple of weeks. And to give you a good uh, example, I don't know what page number it is, but the scene where Thor is talking to Lady Sif and he's recounting his memories of his time with Loki and how now Loki is dead, how, you know, he, he has this empty hole in his life. And that last word balloon as he's flying away, where you have this huge amount of white space and then the smaller letters inside that simply say, I miss my brother. The way that that kind of makes it seem the way Thor is talking, how, you know, it's this big statement, but, you know, he's kind of under uh, it, it, understating it to himself because he still has to maintain his big manly attitude it it's just a very small subtle little piece of the comic but it adds so much to the overall experience
1: well in terms of just point blank style this just issue definitely had that i mean the art in this issue is absolutely amazing the the colors literally shoot off the screen the um the the lettering like you said is quite good but I'm, i mean when you're looking at the art of this issue the shading on the faces on all of the characters everything that
0: i i absolutely adored the style of it that's for damn sure yeah, very, very good stuff. And again, like I said, it's it's not how Thor has been over the last few years. The the art style, obviously, the quality of the art is much better now than it was then. But the style of the art is how it was back in Thor's big time when Thor was the guy. Although now that you're talking about the art, just one small more little thing. Look back at those scenes between Thor and Baldur. And I, and I don't know, like I just noticed this today when I was rereading through it again. They're making Thor, the way Thor's being drawn right now, he looks identical to Chris Hemsworth, the way he looks in the upcoming movie. Thor's face did not look like that last month. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's funny. All right, we're going to leave Thor behind and move on to the third title we're talking about this week. Another major character for Marvel, and that is Captain America. Initially, I hadn't planned about talking about this issue. I wanted to leave Captain America for next month when they're kicking off a new storyline. But I absolutely loved this, and I really wanted to talk about it. So we have Captain America issue 610. Again, for the comic noobs, we got some backstory. Everybody knows who Captain America is, I'm assuming. Back in World War II, he was fighting this villain named Baron Zemo, who had a plan to shoot a missile at the White House. Captain America and Bucky jumped onto the missile, his sidekick, Bucky, you know, Roger. Captain America ended up getting frozen in ice for 50 years, and Bucky was long thought dead. Well, a couple years ago, they retconned that Bucky wasn't dead and that he had been fished out of the ocean, partially intact by a Soviet submarine. They knew who he was, and they knew his military training. So they brought him back to Russia, fixed him up, gave him a bionic arm. And called him the Winter Soldier. The whole idea of the Winter Soldier was that he was the Soviet Union's top assassin. They kept him frozen in cryogenic you know, suspended animation and only thought him out when somebody absolutely had to die. So they thought him out like once every 10, 12 years, had him go assassinate someone and then go back on ice. So he became like a myth among political figures. So years later, he ends up deprogramming himself, breaking free of Russia and finding Captain America again, they reconnected, you know, whatever happened. And then they killed freaking Captain America. So at Bucky, as Captain America's longtime sidekick, decided to take up the mantle of Captain America for himself. America needs a Captain America. He was the only one fit for the job at the time. So we've had a lot of great stories of Bucky Cap over the last several years. And I've said this previously when we were talking about Ed Brubaker as a writer, and it gives a lot of credit to Brubaker that he was able to A, kill Captain America, B, replace Captain America, and C, have that person stay as Captain America even after Steve Rogers came back from the dead and the fans still enjoy it. So in the recent storyline they've been telling, the son of the original Baron Zemo, who again was a longtime Captain America villain dating back to the 60s, He came back and I I love this funny little line where he goes, isn't Steve Rogers dead? (laughs) And one of his contacts goes, oh, you have no idea who's who's wearing the suit now, do you? You're going to love this (laughs) because he didn't know that Bucky was the new Captain America. And he did his research, discovered the whole Winter Soldier connection and released Captain America's identity to the media. So the media now knows that Captain America is a former assassin. And then just to make Bucky's life more miserable, he gets in a fight, takes the guy down, kidnaps him, and drops him off on the island where he almost died back in the 1940s. All right, all that backstory is out of the way. I hope it made a little bit of sense. What this issue is broke down to me, and I've said this time and time again, and I'm going to continue to say it because it does mean so much for the characters, is a hero is defined as much by his own actions as he is by the actions of his nemesis. And Baron Zemo has been Captain America's nemesis for ever. You know, the Red Skull was always the big villain. But when it came down to the characters, Baron Zemo is really Captain America's counterpart. And what we see here is Baron Zemo is pissed. Not because, you know, of anything Bucky has done. But just the fact that he is Bucky. Baron Zemo has defined his entire life... By his struggle with Steve Rogers and now, you know, not necessarily Steve Rogers, but Captain America. And now that he's back to 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 once again, you know, do whatever it is a villain does, you know, plot his villainy. He no longer has an adversary. He sees Bucky as not being worthy of being Captain America. What does that say when your villain, your arch nemesis, says you're not worthy of being a hero? That says a lot about all the characters involved, especially with the fact that Bucky freaking agrees with him. You know, he's like he's like he knows he hasn't done anything to make himself worthy of being called Captain America. And I just really, really liked a lot of the character interactions in this issue between Zemo and Bucky because, like I said. It's it's just speaks so much that Zemo is saying all of the things that the fans, some of the fans have been saying over the last couple of years. You know, a lot of the fans have loved Bucky Cap, a lot of the fans haven't loved Bucky Cap. So I th- I just thought that was really really cool the 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 interaction between these two characters. As the person who has read none of these, I can tell you that
1: reading this, um, not only a are you absolutely lost but also be that having not known those interactions, I really could care less. So yes, there's character development. I can see it, but because I don't know the backstory enough or wasn't there or haven't been following it, I don't care about it. And this issue really was tedious to read, put it that way.
0: Okay. Yeah, I really didn't want to spend too much time on Captain America because like I said, I, I really want to talk about it next month where they kick off a new storyline where now Bucky has gone, is going back, you know, and he's been rescued from the island and he has to go back to America where they now know that he's this former killer. And I think it's gonna be it's you know the next story arc is called The Trial of Captain America. And that, that seems like it's going to be a more interesting place for a new reader to start reading. I, I just absolutely love this issue and I really wanted to talk about it for a couple minutes but you know i've been here babbling on for i don't know 4 hours now about captain america and thor so i'm going to give roger a, a small bit of time to oh let's say God. to to tease an upcoming discussion that oh, we're going to oh, have but, on a future but, uh, on a future issue that's not
1: fair that's not cool that's not cool you get no i mean you get to talk forever about crap that nobody gives a rat right, well, oh, the boat i'm going to have, have to, to bleep that now no don't be that way <laughs> Don't be, that's not cool. I want to talk about the Batman Beyond series. And because that is something that is, it's phenomenally written. The suspense is incredible. And even if you don't, even if you haven't been reading it for the past, you know, 10 years, You can pick it up right from the get-go and read it and love it. So, yes, you did mention that we are going to actually take um, a large chunk of an upcoming issue um, to talk about all of it, uh, being that there's only two issues left in this. It's obviously not going to be too far down the line before we do that. That being said, the fourth issue did just come out. And once again, for anybody who is not currently reading this, Pick up the four issues and get yourself ready so that you can really appreciate the last two. Because this one here, this is something we talk about, too, where, you know what? Those those old school cliffhangers that you had when you were watching TV (laughs) shows that made you keep coming back. It's important to, to a comic book because it is an investment and it's quite a bit. So... You need to make sure that your readers definitely want to keep coming back because of the story. And man, do they ever do that! I do not want to ruin the actual reveal of Hush, but to say that the reveal is there is not a spoiler. Um, read it. Definitely read the fourth issue. It's fantastic that the character development that we're seeing here, not just in terms of of Terry McGinnis, but the interaction between him and and Bruce by virtue of his conversations with other people about who Bruce is, about their relationships with Bruce, about the kind of person Bruce really is. And then you're having Bruce who is fighting Hush with his mechanical suit, which isn't really working out too well for him. <laughs> um, but when you're looking at all of these things, you're really getting between that and the history where they're doing the flashbacks to the nightwing and batman fight that nearly ended nightwing there's so much in this issue that it's the same as everyone before there's so much and i'm thinking how can they improve on this wow and so i this is one of the series that i'm reading right now that it's literally one of those i cannot wait for the next one and that being said once it's done i'm going to be severely disappointed i'm certain not in the story but simply in the fact that it's going to be done i hope that the sales are going to be high enough that it's going to warrant either more miniseries or i would love to see an actual
0: series just with this well i i do know that it is one of dc's top comics right now they I I think they even said at Comic-Con after only one issue had been published the sales were so phenomenal back then they were already considering switching it into an ongoing monthly title and yeah I'm not going to add anything to that because I said we are we're really going to discuss this in huge detail in an upcoming issue of the show we're going to give it the old man Logan treatment and just go buck wild with Batman Beyond because there is so much in only four issues so far there's already so much detail to talk about so much great writing so much great character interactions and yeah that's see that's the thing
1: too like um i was telling you before i don't know if i mentioned it during a podcast or if it was during outtakes we just finished watching all three seasons of batman beyond i Hmm. had actually still not finished watching all of the third season so we finished watching all of it and it's funny because now reading this, the interactions between Bruce and Terry are so different than what you saw in the, um, the the animated series. But it's so well done and so plausible because of the timeline. Because it has been a little while since the series, uh, the animated series, that it makes sense. But it's again, it's so well written. The conflict that you're seeing between the characters is is absolutely fantastic
0: all right well that gives our listeners something to look forward to next week week after i don't know you're gonna have to keep listening so we're gonna wrap up as usual with our new releases for today uh again it's it's a short list but i think this one is 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 kind of brimming with quality we have brightest day issue 11 Uh, i've really been enjoying that miniseries for the last couple weeks uh Chaos War number one, which is the aforementioned Hercules and superheroes shenanigans. Uh, hopefully, it'll make a little more sense in context of an entire issue because the previews we've been getting of the, that first six pages and just about everything Marvel has been putting out this month. It, it, yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree. Bizarre beyond goofy, reason. Yes. yes, but knowing the scope of the story and and knowing who's writing it, I am very interested. And uh, oh God, be quiet for a minute here, Roger. We are getting issue one of Ultimate Comics Thor. <sighs> yeah, it, it's it's a miniseries detailing the ultimate version of Thor. And here's an interesting one, though. It is written by Jonathan Hickman, the same guy that wrote Fantastic Four. And to finish up, we have the launch of a new title uncanny x-force number one Uh, not crazy about the title i would have been happy if they just relaunched it as a new x-force but i'm very interested to see where this team goes this team consists of wolverine archangel in his full angel of death mode psylocke deadpool and phantom x phantom x is a character many people won't know Uh, I'm, i'm really happy that he's getting some more page time in this series and they no 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 spoilers here because it's been revealed many many times x-force's first villain in this story arc is none other than apocalypse really looking forward to x-force number one sitting next to me right now as soon as i I stop talking to to roger here i'm going to start reading (laughs) it but once again we're seeing too much wolverine and deadpool i mean and what the hell let's just put him in another series I, I I will agree with that, but I've actually read a lot of interviews with Rick Remender, the guy that's writing this, and for his plans for this series and the, everything that he has said about the characters, if it comes off as advertised – This is one of those times where you won't mind seeing Wolverine and Deadpool again, because if there's any comic that Wolverine and Deadpool are suited for, it is X-Force. They are the X-Men's black ops team. They are going in to assassinate, spy on and take down the bad guys before they can become a threat. And I think that's a good fit for those characters. And we're going to wrap up there. It is was a great issue for me because I got to talk a lot and a great issue for Roger because he got to listen to me talk a lot and everybody loves that because that's why you download podcast. So be sure to check us out again at bowdowntous.com. We were talking about Batman Begins or Batman Beyond, not Batman Begins, Batman Beyond. Roger has a great uh, review of issue number one over there. If you haven't read it so far, give you a great little uh, taste of what's coming up on later issues of the show and we will see you next week. You may have been ready, but you were not in Skype. I yeah, had well, Skype up, mister. I know. I, I had started Skype, and it was doing an automatic update. And I had to restart Skype.
1: Blah, 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 blah.
0: am Because apparently, you know, background noise is just par for the course now.
1: It would appear so. <laughs> apparently, I'm not loved.
0: Oh, I've been nothing like but you-
1: nice to you guys all along. Like, and like this is what I get
0: Like you don't take free shots at us when we're not around I don't know what you're talking about Yeah
1: I never take shots <laughs> at anybody I'm hungry 10 after 5 On episode 10 by the way Yeah I got I'd that you making sure. It wouldn't be the first <laughs> time you get it wrong But yay us Double digits
0: Yeah go go that